0: Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louie Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged.
1: Four minutes offense.
0: Four, four minutes
2: offense. Four minutes. Four minutes offense. Four
0: minutes offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Son's a winner, 117-110. Kevin Durant, 40 points. Bradley Beal, 25 points on 11 of 16 shooting. And even though the offense looked good, Frank Vogel wanted to talk defense.
1: I knew it was going to be a challenge defensively. The guys really sat down and guarded. Uh, really grinded this game out.
0: Suns gave up a 22-10 run in the fourth quarter, but finished on their own 14-5 run to be able to take the lead and win the game. Now, they are at home tonight. They take on Chicago. Tip off 7 o'clock. Nashville was six points ahead of the Coyotes in the standings and not anymore after Saturday's three to two win Coyotes closed the gap on the last wild card spot Clayton Keller had two goals and Carcone was able to get the third goal which eventually proved to be the game winner Andre Turney was thrilled with the way the team's been fighting it's because we played well lately and
2: you look at our record, we have much to show for. So at some point, okay. We have a bunch of proud players who have high expectations. So at some point, you need to have something to show for.
0: Coyotes had the day off yesterday. They're back home tonight. They take on the Penguins tonight, 7 o'clock, while they keep an eye on Nashville, who's home against the Panthers. Sun Devils looked fantastic. They beat USC 82 67. Why? Defense. USC 22 turnovers. Sun Devils only turned the ball over nine times. Perez 20 points on 50% shooting. Now ASU travels. They take on the Oregon Ducks Thursday night wildcats down by 19 points no problem dominated the second half they win 77 71 had a lot to do with umar ballo he had 17 points 13 boards larson came in with 22 points and u of a picks up the victory now on the road they go to corvallis and take on oregon state thursday night the Lopes 17 and two they lost only their second game of the year on the road at Seattle 86 79 just by 25 points from a it wasn't enough now they try to get back to their winning ways again on the road they go to Texas to take on Stephen F Austin that's Thursday night great weekend of NFL football. Only one blowout and it was a reasonably good game at the beginning but the Ravens shut down Houston. They advance and host the AFC Championship game. Also on Saturday with San Francisco getting a late touchdown from Christian McCaffrey. They beat Green Bay 24-21. Then the Sunday games, both great. Tampa Bay gets close in the end but can't do it. It's Detroit going to the NFC Championship game. Lions win 31-23 behind a great day from Jared Goff, and the late game was nuts. Lots of turnovers. Chiefs barely hold on thanks to a late missed field goal by Buffalo as the Chiefs went on the road 27-24. Now, coming up next weekend, your AFC Championship game. That is Sunday, Kansas City, Baltimore at 1. NFC is up next with the 49ers hosting the Lions. And finally, oh, the beauty of the white supremacist. Guaranteed that the white race is so superior that the Aryan race will prove our mental dominance. Except for... They can't figure out the New York subway system. (laughs) They're trying to have a big takeover of the town and big protests because somehow white supremacists haven't been given enough in life. And their great mental superiority? Oh, ow! Can't figure out how not to run into a turnstile. Thank God you redness exist. Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civic the restaurant, and another 15% off in the Pro Shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the Pro Shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus, at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind.
3: I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, aka the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about, and drink, our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch.
0: Bell's Nashville Kitchen, on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Now, why can't ASU play defense like that every day? Why can't we figure out how to move the ball like that in the fourth quarter like the Suns did every game? And why wasn't we able to have every game of the division around be as good as it should have been? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Frost Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Frost, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merchants. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. How are you? How was your weekend? I had a fantastic weekend. And just so you know, point blank, I didn't work hard enough. <laughs> That's just, it was just one of those weekends where I had a great time. And I did not work hard enough it's i always tell you and i'm always blunt i work about six and a half hours um or not six and a half hours about six and a half days a week sometimes all seven but fridays get out of my way i'm on the golf course or i'm going on a date with my wife or i'm taking a nap i I don't know what but i don't care who you are i'm not working friday after my show is over i'm going home and then every other part of my moment is a work day Oh, not this weekend. I played golf on Friday, played terrible, played golf on Saturday morning for work purposes, but it's still golf, played 400 times better, then worked for a little bit Saturday afternoon, but not much, then had friends over Saturday night and was up way too late, up past one o'clock talking to them for a long time. Uh, the female friend of of my wife, Simone is her name. Uh, she's louder than me. So it was kind of like I was, I hope that our neighbors weren't angry because we were up outside talking and she is unbelievably loud. So that was kind of funny that she's – I've never been around somebody that's that much louder than I am. So that was Saturday night. Sunday, we didn't feel like waking up for Mass, so we went to Sunday night Mass. So I worked most of the day Sunday. And then, oh boy, right when the Chiefs and Bills were getting ready is when we left for Mass. We went to a Sunday night Mass in Tempe with, with intern McKenna. So we drove out there, went to Mass, and then I had a high school buddy in town for a conference that starts today. So since he's in town and he's staying with another friend of his in Old Town, he said, hey, we're at this place. I forget where it was. It was some pizza place. We're at this place watching the games. and, And Jennifer said, no way, I'm out. So Jennifer took intern McKenna's car home because that was why we were all meeting McKenna. So she took her car home. I took both daughters up to Scottsdale for pizza and games. So we watched Chiefs-Bills, and we saw the fourth quarter of Chiefs-Bills. Then during the Suns game, we played darts the whole time. So then I say, okay, I'm going to – we're going to go home now. So I drove intern McKenna back home, drove back to Goodyear. And now I have to watch the first three quarters of the uh, of the Bills Chiefs game, so I watch that so I know what's going on. That fake punt, what in the world? <laughs> so then I watch that game, then I watch all of the Suns, I or, or so I think. Suddenly, I don't know what happened. But the second half of the Suns game is finishing up. It's late in the fourth quarter, and I haven't seen anything since halftime. It's, it's, it's 1.30 in the morning, and I'm just in my chair absolutely out, and I wake up at the end of the game. Oops. So then I go to bed, and then I woke up this morning at about 3, Watch the second half that I was supposedly watching when I really wasn't of the Suns game today and then drove into work, and I'm texting Jeff Weir Production as I'm driving in. Okay, I'm listening to the Frank Vogel now. I need this. I need this. So poor Jeff Weir Production and Izzy get absolutely run through the ringer today because, because I went out last night. There you go. <laughs> That's what it was. I thought I could be the hero of the world. Stay up. Watch Chiefs, watch Suns, watch all the press conferences. And then I found out, no, I cannot. I cannot do that. And uh, fell asleep in the chair. But oh well. That's life. You get through it. How, how was your weekend? Jeff, we production. What did you do this weekend?
4: Um, I think I just stayed at home mostly. I don't think I had a very busy weekend.
0: It's kind of interesting that you're not really sure what you did. You had to think about it.
4: I know I actually, I actually went over to my parents' house a couple of times this weekend, which is odd. I rarely do that. Okay. But, yeah, went over to their house, I think, Thursday and Friday. But woke up one morning, I think I think it was Saturday morning, and my tire was like had 17 pounds of pressure in it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So, I went to my dad's house, put my car in the garage, jacked it up, and there's a nail, about oh. a three and a half inch nail stuck in my tire. Oh, my gosh. So, I had to patch that up or plug it. So, I plugged that. Everything seems to be fine now. It's holding air, so I'm good to go.
0: I, uh, I need to admit I am much less of a man than you because I'm the only, I think I'm the only person in the world that if that happens to me, I'm calling my daughter. <laughs> now, I would put the spare on myself, but I would put the spare on and then I would drive it up. To uh, to where Vienna works, the oldest is a is a uh, the I don't want to call it a low level mechanic because she's not a master technician, but she does oil changes and stuff like that. And, uh, and all like the maintenance mechanics. So I would have driven it up there and said, hey, sweetheart, daddy needs a tire. Okay. <laughs> so here you are doing all the work yourself. And me is like, no, nah,
4: I'll be back. Uh, well, my dad taught me how to do it. So oh, no. But he was there, so he helped, helped
0: me out. The truth is my dad tried to teach me how to do it. And I'm like, fine, dad, <laughs> knock yourself out. My dad was the type of guy, why would I pay somebody else to do it? When I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the exact opposite. I, I'm i the kind of, per, well, this isn't the case anymore, but I used to be the kind of person who was like, hey, if I pay somebody else to do it, I can be out there making more money than I'm paying him. So let me go do that. Now, I, now that's not the case. Yeah, I tried to
4: change my oil one time. My dad taught me how to do that. So I tried to do that one time. It'll never happen again <laughs> because I drained all the oil. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, I drained all the transmission fluid, Oh no. put new oil on top, top of the, the old, old oil. oil. So then I had no transmission fluid. Oh, I got no. about 100 yards down the road and it wouldn't change gears. I'm like, oh, crap, oh, something's oh, not right. So then I called my dad and he's like, hey, yeah, you're an idiot. You, tra- <laughs> you, you drained all the transmission fluid.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So then, somebody did they buy you transmission fluid? Pick you go, drive wherever the car was, fill it up. And yeah. They, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, My dad fixed that for me. That's fantastic. That's a great story. But that was many years. Gosh, I I think I had just moved back home from college. Okay, okay, I think is when that was. Yeah, so that was many years ago.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good story. We got a lot to. Uh, we got a lot to get to. I'm jacked up for the Suns, jacked up for uh, really everything that uh, that I saw this weekend. Uh, sound credits today, or no? By the way, before I get to sound credits, tomorrow, unplugged army. I used to go into deep detail about stuff like this at the beginning when the press con- or press conference when the uh, podcast first started. But tomorrow is a major, major meeting, and I just want to say thank you to get me to the point. Where you have stuck with me for so long to get us to where we to where I have a meeting like tomorrow, is really really cool. Um, I'll tell you more about it if uh, if this company uh, uh, agrees to jump on board. And, uh, man, am I going to be asking a lot from you. I want to I tell you that up front. I'm going to be asking a lot from you. But I think we've grown to the point that we're ready to take on something like this. We've done so well with Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We've done so well with Parker & Sons. I know they're happy. 6022 Repair. And then, of course, Bell's National Kitchen, Rosati's, and, uh, and uh, Burrito Express, Boy, does that sound good right now? Uh, has just been on fire. So thank you, and uh, I can't wait when you when this new company, not, they're not new, but we are, but to, new to us, starts advertising with us. If they do, it'll uh, you'll be. I, I swear, no matter how you feel about it, you'll go, wow, okay, okay, wow. Un- Unplugs kind of legitimate now. Like we're competing against entire radio stations now. Okay, okay, so I'm kind of jacked right now, to be quite honest, and it's just good people, you know, that's what I care about the most, I'm not just taking somebody's money, it's That you gotta be good people, you gotta treat the unplugged army better than you treat anybody else, and you better be treating normal people great as a baseline. And then the Unplugged Army, we get a little extra because of the way we go out and support. So uh, I, I totally believe in us and believe in them. Uh, make sure you remember February 23rd. Uh, I'll be talking to Sweet Lou this week. Unplugged at uh, uh, at whirlwind.com will be up later this week. Unplugged at whirlwind.com right now. Oh, look at that. Nice little graphic. If you're watching on WTSMTV.com right now, Jeff, we are put up. Uh, there it is. We put up here. Why can't I figure that out? Uh, everything. Look, and it's right next to the Beer Friday sign. Well done there. So Friday, February 23rd, we're going to be live at Wild Horse Pass. I shouldn't say that. I don't know if we're live yet. I haven't even talked about that. But we're going to be there for our event. Tea times will start at noon and go on from there. Please fill it up. Please try to figure out a way for you to be part of this on February 23rd. And there's different areas that you can be a part of it. If you're the type of person that can get away for lunch, then please come by for lunch. I'll be there um, uh, probably around 10 or 1030 or so. So I'll have a beer with you while you eat lunch. Then we hit the course. If you're somebody that can play golf on a Friday, then please not only show up, but try to get your foursome involved. Try to bring a bunch of people so we look great in front of the folks at Whirlwind. And then if you can't golf on a Friday, please stop by for happy hour before you go home. Love to see you out there. Remember the rules because I care deeply about you and our society. One drink per hour if you're driving, or please Uber. Find a way for somebody to pick you up. Please be stra- smart and safe if you're if you're going to come out with this. But I'd love to see you out there at Civlic, which is the 19th hole of Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And uh, again, that's unplugged at whirlwind.com. But I'm just l- reminding you what the site is, because it's still set up uh, for Whirlwind Plus, which, hey, you can jump on that too. Ask about that while you're there. I think that's everything that, uh, that uh, I got off my chest that you need to know. Let's roll. Doug's big one. I realize out of everything that's on the table today, ASU basketball is not the number one thought on your mind, and I get it. But I just want to jump up and down and scream more of that. More of that. ASU took on USC. And there was about an eight-minute stretch at the end of the first half that it was, some, it was great basketball. And a lot of times people will try to argue, well, you know, the other team has players too, or the other – and I'm the one that brings this up too. The other team's trying to stop you, or this, or that, or sometimes shots don't – You know, there's all kinds of reasons why you don't play well. But there's never a reason why you don't play hard. Those are two different things, playing well and playing hard. But ASU, for a nine-minute stretch, played so hard, USC could hardly get the ball up the court. It was phenomenal basketball. The intensity of the defense, the attack... Then after you got the steal, it wasn't this mentality, I'm the one that got the steal, so I'm the one that should get the shot. It was make the steal, uh, immediately get rid of the ball, and move the ball up the court. USC had no chance, all right? I am not saying suddenly ASU is a top 25 team, but that game against USC, that's a tournament team. Do I think ASU is making the tournament? No, I don't. I don't. And I think they have themselves to blame because you can do that. It wasn't just a matchup issue. It wasn't just that you're a little bit better than USC. It wasn't that it's just, "Hey, we're better than this one team and we'll struggle." No. It was very simple. You outplayed them. You you played harder than they did every second of the game. That's why you succeeded. That's why you won the game. Do it again. Playing hard is not hard if you love the game and if you hate losing. And that's what they did. And this, this really isn't an ASU opinion. This is an opinion about anything else. Listen, a team that plays hard that's not, you know, highly talented can beat a team that's highly talented that doesn't play hard. Admittedly, if the highly talented team plays hard and the other team that isn't all that talented plays hard, there's no doubt who's going to win the game. Okay? Playing hard isn't always going to lead to victory. But not playing hard almost always leads to losing. And that's what ASU hasn't been doing. Or they play hard as an individual but not within a team concept. They embarrass themselves against UCLA, and it's really, really frustrating. And I say, Bobby Hurley, it's a little bit on you as well. Other things are totally on you, Bobby. This is one thing that I don't know why you wait before you unleash the Hounds. Why don't you do that more often and call for the press more often? That's what gets the – they're not good enough shooters to win in the half court. You've got to win with the fast break, the attacking defense, the 40 minutes of hell. Do it more, Bobby. It was fantastic basketball. And, man, do do you want to buy a ticket to that. That's the other feeling. And congratulations to ASU students. I don't know why it was an arbitrary one game, unless it had something to do with the fact that LeBron James Jr. was playing and everybody wanted to see Brawny. I don't know if that's it. But it was the highest attended student game in the history of ASU, more students went to see ASU USC even more than all of those U of A games. That's pretty fantastic. And you put on a show, ASU. You put on a show for the students. It was it was great basketball. That's Doug's big one today. Hey, let's get into uh, let's get into Suns. You know what? I'm just going to mostly go in order of of the cuts. Uh, starting with Frank Vogel, if you could, Jeff, we're production. So we'll just go straight down the line, Vogel one through ten. Uh, everything Frank Vogel said in this game or about this game was really, really interesting, and it's really pivotal to talk about. Suns a winner, one seventeen, one ten. Points in the paint were sixty four to forty eight. One of the best performances they've had, and a lot of times when you talk points in the paint. You're talking about a big guy who's posting up, like a Nurkic. That wasn't the case in this game. It was a ton of slashing to the hole and attacking that defense really hard, creating mismatches and getting downhill quickly and shooting either layups, dunks, or pull-ups around the elbow because you attacked the defense. The Suns, until what their fourth quarter normal swoon. Did a lot of good things offensively. Here's uh, when Frank Vogel was asked about the first question is about the offense. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Katie had 40, by the way, but the three of them had 91 points. And in this stretch of basketball where the Suns are playing better, for the most part, these guys are scoring 91 points as a threesome. So he was, Frank Vogel was asked. Are the big three starting to come together offensively? And watch how quickly Frank Vogel says, we're not talking about the offense.
1: Yeah, I just I just honestly, you know, I don't want to talk about the offense. I want to talk about how how they competed together defensively. You know, this team is, uh, even without Halliburton, putting up um, really impressive offensive totals. He scored 74 points in the second half against Boston without Tyrese. They've scored 126 twice on this trip without Tyrese. And, um, you know, they're very difficult to guard. Number one offense in the league. So um, we knew it was going to be a challenge defensively. The guys really sat down and guarded and uh, really grinded this game out. And then, like you said, offensively, you know, any one of those three guys or all three together can really get going. You know, tonight, KD had a a big stretch in the fourth and uh, ended up with a 40-piece, Um, I want to just highlight Bradley Beal, you know, when we needed a bucket in the fourth, a couple different possessions, he he came through and made some big buckets and some big defensive plays as well. And, um, you know, Book was great, too. So, I mean, the the three of them really stepped up. Uh, Great composure in the fourth. You know, we knew they were going to make a run. They made a run to start the fourth and our guys um, didn't let go of the rope. You know, they stayed, stayed in the fight and, and stayed poised and were able to pull out the W.
0: He's a defensive head coach, and there's been a big struggle with this team coming together defensively. And when you saw it yesterday really manifest itself and led by the big three playing good defense, and I would have to say Bradley Beal specifically playing a much better defense than I remember him playing in Washington, that now you've got something. And I like his point about Indiana. The Pacers, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, huge miss again by James Jones, drafting Jalen Smith over Tyrese Halliburton. And Halliburton is a fantastic basketball player. And the Pacers, of course, get much weaker without him. But they've been playing good basketball. I think it's a hammy. I might be wrong, it's an ankle. But since he's had his hamstring problems, the Pacers are still playing good basketball. So he's fair to bring that up. Instead of saying, hey, we beat a weaker team than normal. No, you beat a team that's still playing pretty well. And I like the fact that he saluted the guys to be able to push that envelope and do it again. Now, let's see if they can do it on back-to-back nights as they take on the Bulls uh, tonight. Now, Frank Vogel was asked about how the team was able to penetrate and attack and be able to handle a switching defense the way they did and and get Kevin Durant going
1: yes yeah, new. you know it's there's still uh, a lot to you know uh, unpack there you know in terms of the creativity we can use with it and um, you know the execution defensively but um, you know it was, it was big for us tonight
0: I was wrong. I thought that was an offensive question. It was about the defense and being able to handle much better your guy. Just staying in front of your guy. And I listen, I get so sick of switching defenses. And the reason why is very few of them are done correctly. That's a highly opinionated statement. People that actually make money by NBA standard, meaning – People that get paid to be an NBA coach would disagree with me. So please keep that in mind. I think it's fair for me to point that out. When I'm giving you an opinion that differs from people that are actually in the business, it's probably smart of you for for you to trust the people that are in the business over me. But when you switch everything, what that means is if Jeff Weir Production and I are guarding Izzy and Steve McCollum, okay? And Steve comes over to set a screen. Do I just say, okay, Jeff, you're now guarding Izzy. I'm guarding Izzy up now. Here, you just guard Izzy. All right. As long as everybody is about equal size, as long as everybody hustles like crazy, as long as everybody is a top-notch defender, then that'll work. The problem is a lot of teams switch everything out of laziness. And that then creates mismatches. Indiana is actually a team that switches everything, but it's normally because they can play positionless basketball. Other than Buddy Heald, they do have a lot of people that defend well and play hard. The catch is whenever you're switching everything, a lot of times that means going under a screen. What it means to go under a screen is if you're running up to me to set a screen, and you're standing right next to me, the goal is for you to have me just basically run right into you. And that frees up your teammate as I'm running into you. He can get an open shot. Or even worse is if I go under you, meaning between you and the basket. Now that's really opened up your teammate with the ball because I have to to block his shot or to at least just get a hand in his face. I basically have to jump over you because you're now in my way. The difference is called fighting over the top. That means that little bitty space between you setting the screen and your teammate with the ball, I'm going to anticipate your screen and I'm going to slide into that space. Man, that's hard work. That's hard work that's physical work and a lot of people don't want to do it. And if you fight over screens, you're not switching everything. So now you as the defense, you're dictating the terms of the matchup. And that's what the Suns are starting to do a little more of. The Pacers, on the other hand, they're actually a team that switches everything for the right reasons because everybody is a good defender and everybody works hard. Buddy Heald tries hard. He's just not that great of a defender. So I don't mind it when the Pacers do it. But here's why it didn't work. All of the Suns, everybody can be a scorer and can handle the basketball and be able to attack. So while you're in the middle of your switch, what was happening is whoever set the screen for the Suns was able to slip that screen, get in the paint, and create options. A lot of options. So, Frank, what did you see from your offense? You
1: yeah, no, they don't double a lot. They, they just try to guard their, their own, they, and they don't leave the three-point line either. You know, they just uh, they, they ask their guys to compete on the ball and try to stay out of, out of rotations as much as they can. They give up the fewest threes. Uh, in the league. Um, as a result, they give up a lot of points in the paint, but they give up uh, the fewest threes. And you know, so our guys got to go make one on one plays. And then our guys did that.
0: That was not a long quote, but it was very valuable. And he didn't say it for us to say, wow, good job, Frank. But wow, good job, Frank. This was a massive coaching victory for Frank Vogel. Because the way the Suns attacked the Pacers showed a great deal of film study, which all coaches do, but then a great game plan, a great explanation and translation of that game plan, and then fantastic execution by the players. Here's why I say that and and give Frank a lot of credit. The Pacers are one of the best three-point defending teams in the league. They care deeply about not allowing you to get hot from three. And it's kind of interesting if you think about it. The league has turned into dunks and threes. That's all analytics are. Analytics say any mid-range two is a dumb shot because the math of the situation says if you're shooting – 50% from three, or excuse me, 50% from two and 40% from three, your 40% is going to be more valuable than your 50%. So, therefore, we're going to make sure you have a bad shooting night from three. And since so many of your guys have been taught just hang out outside the arc and pump up threes, that you can't hit the 15-footer anymore. The midi game, midi meaning mid-range, You don't have that. Your guys can't hit a 19-footer. So, therefore, we're just going to simply drive you off of the three-point line. The Suns actually said, okay, but we're going to go right down the heart of your defense and get into the paint and then hit eight-foot, nine-foot pull-up jumpers. Now, the numbers back up exactly what Frank Vogel just said. Here's what I mean. Suns went eight of 25 from three. Bad. 32%, 32%, not good enough to go into an NBA game and only hit eight threes. That shows you how good the Pacers were at defending the three. That part of their game plan worked. But the math doesn't compute when you get 68% from two. Remember what I told you? 40% from three is better than 50% from two. Okay. The Sun shot 39 of 57 from inside the arc 39 of 57 made 39 shots missed only 16 shots then you combine that with a good number of offensive rebounds they were able to get stickbacks so even if they missed they still were able to put it back up on the glass so they made 68% of their two pointers that basically destroys the entire Indiana defensive system they can't defend that because they're not trained to run you off of the three and that clearly shows when frank vogel said they give up a lot of points in the paint that means they knew what to expect knew how to exploit it and the players they had the players that could do it it's even more impressive when you consider book went nine of 24 he did not have a good shooting night but katie and beal were fantastic Katie and Beal combined went 20 – I'm doing the math in my head here – went 29 for 41. 29 out of 41 combined. That's fantastic. And that's why they won. It's a fun game yesterday, except for another fourth-quarter swoon, which really uh, which really drove me absolutely crazy. I admit I forget what Vogel 4 is, but I remember I liked it this morning. So do me a favor, uh, Jeff Weir Production. I'll explain it after you play it.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, I I think there was still, you know, some cutting that we can do to open up uh, some more space. But Grayson was able to get through on some of those pick and pop redrives, get some great looks for us.
0: That is about as smooth as the offense looked, there's still more. There's still more cutting that can be done. There's still more movement off of the ball that can be done. You want to be able to move in such a way that creates confusion defensively but doesn't take away driving lanes. So move early in in the in the individual possession. All right? Once he catches it, make sure you move while he's catching it to a different spot. Unless you're a spot, of, like unless you're Eric Gordon, something like that. But be able to figure out where's the weakness of the defense. You can either get the ball, or you'll pull somebody with me that now allows a dribble drive into that space. That's what was so important in this one, and it's the same thing with with the next cut uh, from Frank about how the offense is going to be able to handle it.
1: Yeah, cutting and just you know understanding how how they're going to react and how they're going to respond to him getting hot. And, um, you know, we had some possessions. We tried to force it into the post to him. We had some turnovers that way. A lot of our turnovers, Dwayne, you asked about, um, were whistle turnovers, you know, offensive fouls. And, you know, that can be frustrating. But, um, you know, our guys played through it we got the W. It's funny. I,
0: I, I admit I've never heard the term whistle turnovers. If you're a hardcore basketball dude, Uh, yell at me, you know, mock me. Oh my gosh, people say that all the time. I've heard live ball, dead ball turnovers. So he clearly means dead ball turnovers. So live ball turnovers are the worst because you can't set your defense. That means basically a steal by the other team. Um, some people will call it a block, but a block technically is not a turnover. But a live ball turnover, the other team steals it, and now they're coming back the other way while you've got your some of your guys still playing offense somewhere. That's the problem with a live ball turnover. He's talking about whistle turnovers, meaning an illegal screen, meaning uh, the ball gets thrown out of bounds, whatever, an offensive foul. They're calling something. And then you at least have a chance to get your defense back and reset while the ball's being inbounded. So that's the difference there. This next quote, I like it a lot. Good question. Because I've noticed this, but I admit I haven't thought about talking about it. And this gives us a window to talk about it. Bradley Beal came into the league as a good defender. Bradley Beal became so important offensively with the Washington Wizards that I believe he's become a poor defender. Um, maybe if you're a Washington Wizards fan, you can show me a lot of good clips later on in his tenure with, with, with the Wizards and show me that I'm wrong. And I want to be fair, it's not like I sat around and watched all Wizards basketball games, okay? This, that opinion comes from the games I saw, which were probably four or five a year, which, listen, that's unfair. That's unfair to make a, uh, a, a point about. But I'm still confident in saying it because I'll talk to a scout, I'll talk to a coach, usually via text, especially around the time of the signing. Hey, I didn't, I didn't think he was great defensively the last couple of years. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, he did. This. Okay, good. So then that's how I formulate the opinion. Sometimes I'm, in a sense, taking an opinion from somebody else that they gave me, but at least I did ask the question up front. Well now, I don't see that from Bradley Beal. I don't. I don't look at him and say lockdown. But I I think he's a quality defender, and I never expected to say that. So this question is: Are you surprised at how well Bradley Beal is adjusting defensively?
1: Yeah, not really. Uh, He's exceeded my expectations with that. You know, I knew he's a physical defender, but um, you know, he's really stepped up in terms of. uh, You know, guarding bigger guys and, you know, just being a great containment guy. He's really gifted defensively, you know. So, um, you know, like I I mentioned earlier, he had a couple big buckets, but he he had some great containment plays in the fourth quarter as well. And Bradley was a big part of this W.
0: The most important thing is for this team defensively to gel. That's, that's more important. I mean, if we really have championship expectations, the number one thing is for this team to defensively gel. And they don't have the bench skills to win playoff games if the big three aren't playing top-notch defense. And that's difficult. Most great teams of the past had a big three But not all three guys were great defensively. But they had amazing defensive stoppers as role players within the team. The Suns don't have that. The Suns don't have a Mikhail Bridges. The Suns don't, if you want to go old school, they don't have a Michael Cooper. They don't have people that you, a Bruce Bowen, even though I hate Bruce Bowen. They don't have a guy where you just say, stop that guy put that guy on him and now we don't have to worry about it the big three has to play defense almost as well as they play offense and that's why that's important however that can mean heavier minutes that can mean health issues down the line so you've got to be able to find the balance and you do need to develop this bench and they really haven't done it however it's a little unfair when you have all of the injuries to expect everybody to know their role off the bench, be able to embrace it and get better at it. And you can see by this next quote, Frank Vogel completely understands what we we're just talking
1: about. I mean, Health is the number one thing, you know, and um, we're continuing to evolve as a team and grow, you know. Um, uh, all of our guys, not just the big three, the role players, um, guys are coming off the bench, but also like Grayson, Nurk, Eric. You know, those guys finding their spots to to be effective and um you know i think we're really really committing to the defensive side of the ball you know and i think kd um a few games back you know set a tone with uh Garden kawaii Garden lebron and you know he's really been been vocal and, and his leadership has been great in the last uh, last few games as well you know just uh just setting a tone for our guys uh communicating more than more than usual and you know he's a big part of this
0: that, that goes back to something we talked about last week. If, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Doug Franz Unplug presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass last week, I forget which day it was. Um, and if you ever want to go back, there's two ways to go back. You can always, if you are a basic member of WTSMTV.com, you can go back and watch older Doug Franz Unplugged versions from about, we keep them, Jeff, for production, would you say we keep them for about a month? That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. So if you ever miss one and you hear me reference an old show and you want to go back to it, we have about a month long archive there. And then if you want to go back much deeper, audio only, you can go to Doug Franz click on the Listen Now button, and it'll bring you to a website called Podbean. And on Podbean, it has all of my, like, all the way back to the beginning. Now, if you really want to go for extra credit, Please, please go back and listen to all the old ones. Even in the middle of the night, just hit play on your phone and go to bed. Turn the sound down, ignore it, and then you'll it'll it'll replay about eight episodes for me. All right, all right, and then I get you as a download. So thank you very much. If you could do that, that would be great. Even if you hate me, you know, please like my children and and help them out. But I bring that up because. I really got giddy about what I'm seeing from KD defensively and him demanding, I want the tough matchups. I'm ready for the tough matchups. And that goes into the health of Kevin Durant. You do want a coach that's going to be the quote-unquote adult in the room and not run him into the ground. But there, that was Frank Vogel saying it started with KD taking the toughest matchups, setting a tone. And that, that's got to jack you up when a superstar is doing that. So that leads to an interesting question. In Frank Vogel's teams of the past, there was a big center that was the rim protector. And everything defensively was funneled to the rim protector. And he was asked, is Kevin Durant starting to represent that person? Because I think KD had three blocks. Let me cheat if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm right. Forty points, nine boards, three blocks. Is he your defensive stopper? But what about Nurkic? Isn't that wasn't he supposed to be your rim protection?
1: No, I wouldn't say he's the defensive anchor. You know, like a, a, you know Hibbert or Anthony Davis or, or something like that. For for my my past, I would say Nurk is doing a great job with that. You know, being a big body, seven footer, committing to everything at the rim. But um, you know, for for KD to to uh, take on the matchups that he's been taking on uh, has been spectacular, you know, and nothing short of that. Like he's really, really stepping up on a defensive side of the ball.
0: Everybody's happy defensively, and I, I just can't stress enough how that is a key. And right now, the Suns are finally closing in on getting out of the play-in tournament. If you care about, you know, if the playoff started today, where would they be? They're still in the play-in tournament as the seventh seed right now, but at least they would host a game in the play-in tournament. But they're getting closer to getting out of that mess, getting the sixth seed, and you can see as they're starting to gel, they're playing a lot better. So that's got me jacked up. And then uh, the next quote from Frank Vogel, this one kind of goes into how to be able to handle the different situations of the physicality of Kevin Durant. KD scored 40 points, but the Pacers really got physical with him. And what's interesting is Frank Vogel talked about this isn't the right thing here, and we've got to be able to protect him better.
1: I don't think so. We saw that. we were just talking about that as coaching staff, and he's getting hit too. You know, it's not like uh, you know he, he's out there and just just shooting jump shots the whole time. He's getting hit on the wrist. He's getting shoved in the in the hip. You know, getting pushed in the back when he's going to the basket. Um, you know, we'll be sending some clips in on tonight's game.
0: Jeff, I don't know if you heard that at all. Um, will you give me KD two right now before Vogel ten? Um, and I'll talk about why here in a second. But KD 2 and then Vogel 10. The, uh, with that's Talk, when he says we're going to send in clips, you show the NBA this is what is happening here. Can we start watching for this? These are the things that pl- people are trying to do to Kevin Durant. And it was a physical game, and people are slapping at him a little bit, just trying to get him off his game. Just little gut punches, little bumps on the hip while he's shooting, but your hands are back acting like you're doing nothing. Things like that. They were coming at KD. What I love about this is Frank didn't whine. He explained. And he's the one saying, we're going to push this narrative. But who's the one that has to deal with the narrative? If Kevin Durant starts talking about it, he sounds like a whiner. And the referees build up a tolerance to listening to the, uh, the player whine. They start ignoring the player. They start disrespecting the player. Because what you say on the court is dramatically different than what you say in a presser. You start ripping refs in the presser. Now they do have a little bit of a vendetta, or they at least come into a game kind of jacked up, kind of jacked up to not let Kevin Durant get away with his whining. But if you handle your business in the presser, you get you earn respect by the refs. So here's the head coach saying we're going to send in clips. Here's the head coach saying that they were hitting him on the wrist. The head coach is making these comments, but Kevin Durant – Coach says it was one of those nights, right, where people are coming at you and and getting away with a lot of stuff. Did you feel the same way?
5: I wouldn't say it tonight was one of those nights. I mean, you can send clips in every night to on behalf of your team, but it is what it is. I think we, I think that's a physical team we're playing against. There's going to be calls that may be missed. There's going to be physicality that may not be seen, but that's just part of the game. I just like how we we kept our poise in the fourth when they made a run and um, we was able to get over that hump.
0: That's, listen... One of the knocks on Kevin Durant is your skill level is one of the greatest of all time. I mean, it's seriously time to start thinking about the possibility that if you were making the greatest team of all time, would Kevin Durant start or would he be on the bench? Or do you actually think you could name 10 players in the NBA and you'd rather have all 10 in team building? and actually having positions and not have Kevin Durant on it. It's a good conversation. One of those summertime conversations, but it's a good conversation. Where does Kevin Durant rank in the greatest team of all time? But here he is, on the other hand, being asked about the officiating and the way he was officiated, and him saying, listen, it's not one of those nights. You know, you can send in clips every night. There's bad calls every night. There's missed calls every night. We just got to play. And then what does he do? He flips it to the problems of the fourth quarter, and he says, we kept our poise and were able to handle it when they made a run. Well, if you didn't see last night's game, the Suns started the fourth quarter up 91-83 and blew it. They gave up a 22-10 run, and that allowed the Pacers to have the lead. So what did you just hear KD say? We were able to keep our poise when they made their run. As soon as the Pacers took their only lead of the fourth quarter, Kevin Durant hits a three, reclaims the lead, ignites a fourteen to five run, Suns win. So he's saying we kept our poise. When there really wasn't a we, it was him that hit the three. It was him that stopped the run of the Pacers, retook the lead, and got everybody. I, that that thrills me when a leader on a team is saying we when at that moment it was him. And then that spurred six, six of eight points that were scored by, I think, Booker had a free throw. And then it was... Four points from Bradley Beal, a Grayson Allen bucket, and then another bucket from Bradley Beal. So in this 14-5 to run I'm talking about, Bradley Beal had six of the 14 himself. But it was spurred after that three-pointer from KD. And then Booker had a clutch steal at the end of the game. So here he is. We kept our poise. Yeah, but you started the run of the Suns and ended the run of the Pacers with that so that jacks me up and then the last one from Frank Vogel is just simply Frank what are you seeing offensively since you wanted to talk about defense and the way you attacked their switches it was obviously paramount that everybody made the right decision with the ball to be able to get it to the open guard going to the hoop
1: but man is king, you know. I mean, they just—they're just, they're sharing it to each other and uh, and trusting each other, and they know what to do with it.
0: Simple. But that's that's how you play good basketball. And you know, there's always a joke, you know, Booker the point guard. But the truth of Booker the point guard is just make the right play. Booker really isn't a true point guard in the sense of a mindset that says. What do I need to do to get Kevin Durant going? What do I need to do to get Bradley Beal going? How do I get Nurkic engaged? A lot of time the Suns in the past would run a play early for DeAndre Ayton, hoping that if he scored a bucket and felt good about himself, he'd play better defense. He'd be focused and engaged. So they kind of manufactured, they played brain games with DA because he's such a mental checkout artist. He's so mentally weak that you would run plays just to try to get him engaged, even though he's not your best offensive weapon because he just doesn't understand the game. He's not competitive enough to play hard all the time. He doesn't care enough about winning. So that's what they were reduced to do. What Booker does that's different is Booker just plays ball. And in his opinion, I'm not passing it to you to get you going like a point guard might. I have the ball, and if I can beat my man one-on-one, I'm taking it. And if they double-team me or somebody switches off and cuts off my lane to the bucket, I'm going to know what the right plays, and I'm going to move the ball. I'm passing you the ball because you're open, not because I'm trying to get you going. But it's always the right, almost, I should say always, but almost always the right basketball play with Book. And I think that's really huge. If you could give me Booker One, Jeff Weir Production, in which he's kind of talking about a little bit of the spacing. But more importantly, if you're going to single us up one on one, then I'm going to either take you or find somebody.
5: Uh, Yeah, it's, you know, it's the definition of pick your poison. and you know all of us coming in with the aggressive mindset you know it's going to be it's going to be tough to stop as you've seen late game especially with the spacing out there um you know I always I always talk about the spacing for us open up those driving lanes and you know just get easy ones at the rim
0: DA needed to be down low and then when he would drift up on the screen roll there wasn't really a place for him cuz he didn't dive hard to the rim Nurkic being out front and setting good screens and and making good dives, that helps. Then you've got Grayson Allen fantastic at the spacing, but because everybody else is keeping the floor spaced, we're seeing a lot more drives to the bucket than at any other time in Grayson Allen's career. And he's... He, he's just so oddly athletic where he's not really a true athlete in the fluidity sense, but his physicality on his way to the bucket is able to create a shot. Then you've got the KD, the Beal, the book. You've now got great spacing. And I love where he's going. And then if we go back to the Pacers' form of defense, we're going to chase you off the three-point line. We're going to switch everything, but we're not going to double. We're going to man you up. Well, if that's the case, we have a tremendous advantage over everybody else, we being the Suns, and that is we've got Kevin Durant, who can shoot over the top of almost anybody.
5: I feel like they played it straight up. Um, And – when teams do that, we're going to be aggressive in it. You know, you know we're efficient, moving the basketball. Uh, we had 16 turnovers, but I still felt like we kept the ball in our hands for the most part. Um, but, yeah, when they played it straight up and they were switching everything, we just tried to do our best to be aggressive going downhill.
0: That's simple. You're going to play us straight up. This is what you're going to see. And what's awesome about that is when you look at it from that prism, It's almost like a shout out to the rest of the league. Okay, this defense doesn't work against us. Okay? Since this defense doesn't work against us, you've got it. It's almost like you can tick off boxes, you can eliminate it. And now you can focus on the defenses that do give you a little bit of trouble because most people aren't going to use this. We always talk about, especially in the NFL, there's a blueprint. Once people see how you were you know uh, how this defense stopped Pat Mahomes let's say okay then you're going to start seeing that a lot until the Chiefs prove they can beat that defense. It's it can be the exact opposite. Once you show the league this doesn't stop you, fewer people play it. Then you don't have to practice it as much so you can work on the defenses that do give you problems. That's a good thing. For, uh, for the Suns and then that goes back to the spacing that is created is is such an advantage because normally a switching defense helps to eliminate space. Space is created by having shooters and somebody getting double teamed once somebody's double teamed now you've got a four on three elsewhere on the court if you can move the ball into that space fast enough And you normally win four on three. So that's the advantage of if a team double teams you. But now it's proven they have to double team you because straight up five V five in the half court is a son's advantage. If you just want to switch all the time and look what Booker does when he's able to have this space.
5: Yeah, I love it. Um, You know, like you said, it opens the driving lanes and, (laughs) Usually it takes away the rim protection because, you know, if they help, they understand that they have a shooter on the backside, And, you know, we've been doing a good job of one more in it and just playing for the next man. The good to great pass. And, you know, we're just getting a lot of open looks.
0: One mooring it. okay, that's normally not a verb. (laughs) But, I, but it, it's so easily descriptive, I totally understand what he's getting at. One mooring it means, and good to great is Amani Williams' term, but it simply means when we give you the ball, you might be open. You might have a decent shot. But if they're scrambling to get to you, that certainly means somebody else is wide open. And they've just started, I should say just started, it's it's probably 20 years old now. But this isn't something you'll see on a standard box score. But analytically, they keep hockey assists. And hockey assists, you know in hockey, I think you know, is that you can have two assists on one play. Who has the assist to the guy that got the final assist to the guy that scored? Who made the pass that set up the pass to make the shot? Basketball doesn't keep track of that on a standard box score but analytics does and the hockey assist is the one mooring it okay I've got a good shot but now I'm going to create a great shot with one more pass I'm open the next guy is wide open but you got to have spacing and you got to have shooters to be able to take advantage of that and it looks like the Suns are developing that so that kind of gets you uh, that gets you fired up here's a little bit more from KD
5: yeah, I mean, they're, they're unstoppable getting to their spots. And if we can, you know, give them space to get downhill to make plays, that just makes our team even more dynamic. So, you know, when they both got it going, it's just unpredictable. And then you can add me in there as as an initiator as well. So just un- unpredictable attack. And I think that's going to make us a great team.
0: Let's focus on the unpredictable attack, okay? Why do you call it unpredictable? Because of what the defense is trying to do. When you talk about being unpredictable, when you listen to this next quote, it's kind of – it gets in the weeds a little bit, so stay with it, especially if you're driving in the car. But I think it's great basketball talk to understand how you can be unpredictable based on a team that's not doubling.
5: I enjoy that the defender doesn't want to just easily switch out on me, so he might, that little confusion causes us to get a slip or um, a road to the rim, and they might even get us a backside three. So I just like the confusion it causes, um, and it makes the opposing team coaching staff think about their approach to that play. So uh, as much as we can confuse the other team and you know mess up their game plan a bit on the defensive side of the ball, we want to do that. So that's a unique pairing. You know, having guys screen for me up top. And they roll to the rim as guards, but some, you know, if they're going to double and leave guys in the middle of the paint, then we can pretty much get everything we want. I-
0: oh. I geek out about stuff like this. Hopefully you love the Suns and you start to get excited about it too. And I admit I'm having a hard time connecting with this team. I feel like there's been some effort issues from time to time. There's been some a lot of defensive issues from time to time. The, the bad first quarters and bad fourth quarters make me want to bang my head on the wall. Stuff like that is really tough to swallow. And we didn't get to grow up. We didn't feel like we watched them grow up like we did with Cam johnson mikhail bridges and like you got lemonade stands you know with cam johnson and funny bets and the connection they had with the community and when you've got stuff like that you really say okay this is my team because i've seen them go through the wars And this is a little different. Grayson Allen, first-year player, just made the trade for KD a little while ago. Bradley Beal, and when I say first-year, I mean first-year with the team. Bradley Beal, first-year player for the Suns. in a totally new bench. Nurkic, first-year player. Like We don't really know him yet. But when I hear stuff like that, that gets me jacked up to know that it's, it's really simple. We are able to confuse the defense, be able to create, and then what he was talking about with the guards, normally you don't send a guard to send a screen for a wing player. It's usually the big guy. Well, now you've got the advantage of a whole set with Bradley Beal and Book being great at the mid-range – and a team that's so focused on not letting you get the three that means they've got to eliminate the space so if you set a screen now you've got two guys in a hair of confusion when am i going to let go of my hedge and when am i going to drop back when am i going to do my dive what am i taking away are they both on the same page if you know what those phrases mean great if you didn't The reason why I said it fast, didn't explain it, and tried to confuse is that's kind of the same thing that happens to an NBA defense. You can easily be a hair confused on what you're supposed to do, and in that split second, KD has either shot the ball or been able to give it to Booker Bradley Beal in the paint. That's what they were doing to the Pacers. And when they had the ball movement, then they were winning. And when they slacked on the ball movement, that's where, they, uh, that's where they struggled. All right, the next one is really, really important. This is Kevin Durant. Getting another compliment about his defense, about Frank Vogel assigning him one of the tougher defensive guys, saying that since the Clippers game where you, Kevin Durant, set the tone, you guys have been playing this well defensively. And, you know, what your contribution to that, how important you have been in taking the toughest matchup. What's so humble of Kevin Durant, he's kind of like, calm down. We're all playing better defensively.
5: I really believe after that Clipper game, we all just made a conscious effort of just playing harder. Um, and it may look like it was just me because I was guarding some of the marquee guys around that time. But I think we all made a conscious decision to just play harder, uh, play more physical, get up into the ball a little bit more. It just make life tougher for the opposing team. And, uh Since I'm old and I was guarding some of the best players around that time, it just seemed like it was all me. But I think as a a collective, we made that decision.
0: We decided we've got to get better defensively. And it was funny. I don't know if you noticed Booker smiling when he says, because I'm old, people don't expect me to guard those guys. And it got attention but it really kind of lets Frank Vogel off the hook from people like me. I was getting more and more frustrated with Frank Vogel. You're the defensive guru. Why does the defense stink? What are they not figuring out from you? What are you not coaching correctly? And then he kept saying, relax. We've got to build up the defensive chemistry. And then every now and then he would show his frustrations too. Like we've got to make a decision if we're going to buy into this. He said that. So it's clear it wasn't all about just your ability to coach the strategy. It was also your ability to connect with the players was lacking. And the players are at fault as well because that also shows they're not connecting with you, the coach. They're all kind of doing their own thing. And it has been so much better since the Clippers game. I do give Kevin Durant the credit for establishing himself of like, this isn't going to be my problem. I'm going to play good defense and everybody else is like, well, okay, now he's stepping up. I've got to step up too. This is just simply why, why is it working with everybody being able to press up in a, in a difficult man?
5: Uh, we stay body on body. Um, uh, we didn't help too much. Um, we play a small lineup and we start switching everything. Um, uh, the opposing team wants us to, drive, you know, to draw you us in so they can kick out for threes, which is play faster than us. So we was able to match their physicality and their speed and keep bodies in front of bodies. And you've seen with that last play, Book got steal. And I think we just made you know, solid def- one-on-one defensive plays to end the game.
0: There's such a level of personal accountability there. We didn't help too much. Help means I just got whooped. I'm guarding Izzy, and Izzy just had a blow-by. I just got broken ankles. Now what has to happen? Everybody's got to scramble to save Doug. All right? And that keeps happening. That keeps happening. Well, when he says bodies in front of bodies, if I don't have to get a block shot. I don't have to get a steal. I don't have to force a turnover. But what I've got to do is at least keep Izzy in front of me. That's all. That's what I got to do. At least keep a body in front of a body. Make the guy get rid of the ball or shoot something contested. And that's what Katie's talking about. We didn't help as much. We didn't overhelp. Sometimes, let's say I've been screwing up and I've been playing bad defense for a while. And you're on my team and what do you start doing? You start assuming I'm going to get beat. Okay, Doug's going to get beat. So you put yourself in a position to help before I need it. Now, I actually, for once, played good defense stopped my guy on dribble penetration but he passes it to your guy because you were so concerned i was going to get beat again you were starting to help before you needed to now i did my job you didn't do your job it doesn't matter that i got beat five times in a row i didn't get beat this time guard your guy Now, I can't really turn around and yell at you since I got beat five times, but that's the point. We didn't overhelp defensively. We fought hard for my individual matchup, my personal accountability. Now, the next one, and I mean the next game, tonight against the Bulls, Bulls are similar speed-wise to the Pacers. So is the age factor going to show up? The minutes of Book, the minutes of KD, even though I'm not calling Booker old. The lack of true help off the bench. This is the back end of a back-to-back is where you need your bench. So that's going to be something to watch out for. Now, the last one started with uh, the last one I want to play. This is all just funny. But this is because Doug Holler of The Athletic asked a question about Kevin Durant's height. I don't know what Doug Holler is working on, but he's a really, really good writer. So whenever you hear an off-the-wall question like this, you know it's part of a more in-depth topic or kind of research that Doug's doing. So we'll find out when he writes it, when he whatever he writes it, what he's working on. But he asked um, a funny question about, you know. KD, you're 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 listed at six ten. You've always been listed at six ten, but you know people talk about you as a seven footer, and you always want to declare you're six ten. Why are you afraid of being called a seven footer? What's wrong with that? Are you, well, how tall are you really? What's your real height?
6: And it's, it's been a topic throughout your career. Um, you're listed at six ten, but how close <laughs> are you really
5: um, a few inches away.
6: <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you prefer to do less
5: than 6'10"? I really am 6'10".
0: Really?
5: Yeah, I got measured for the last two seasons, yeah, 6'10". Three, maybe 6'11", my shoes on, but bare feet, I'm 6'10". What do you think about like, just going
6: to stay
5: with? I'm just not going to lie, it's not seven feet. And, uh, but I, feel, I play big. I play big, so I got long arms, so it may look like it, and I can guard seven footers sometimes. But no, I'm six ten, six ten wing flip player.
1: Okay, six six six.
5: Me six six. Yeah, six five. Yeah. <laughs> six five.
0: Now Booker being kind of funny, he's listed at six six, so I think he's trying to jab KD a little bit, saying, "Hey, if you're 6'11", or seven foot, and you want to be smaller because you don't want to be listed as a seven foot guy. Fine, I'll be 6'5 then. I'll drop down a little bit. I do think Booker is 6'5. I don't think Booker is, is six foot six. But it is funny when you look at Booker on TV, and he, he looks like he's normal height because everybody else is so much taller. And then if you're ever around D-Book, you're like, oh, okay. You know, you're, you're not an average height dude. You are a lot bigger. And it's just funny hearing these guys giggle about... Either. I didn't really think it was that funny. But I find it funny that they think that it was, that it was funny. That's it for Sun. Suns. Suns, Bulls tonight, keep an eye on the bench. That's a big topic of conversation, the bench. Coming up next, it is one of the huge debates in football right now. And I don't mind the debates, but I mind the people... That are using the word idiot about the debate. And you know what? I think that's wrong. So therefore, if you're using idiot, you're an idiot. That's coming up on Doug Frods Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSFTV.com. Here is Sue Rigler on starting 100 Mile Brewing Company.
6: What started 100 Mile Brewing Company is, I actually have a degree in microbiology from ASU. Go Devils. And went back to school. I found out that UC San Diego had a brewing program, so I enrolled in that. And with the intention of opening a brewery, I came back to Tempe because it's Sun Devil country. I wanted to open a brewery in Tempe, which fresh it never gets old is our tagline. And I'm pretty much a stickler about fresh beer. It's got to be fresh. Otherwise, it's not going to be served here.
0: So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater, all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle-quality water from a tap, and then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to, to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two. that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. a little hockey in just a second. Definitely want to get into football, but I Unplugged Army, I got to play something for you. I got to talk about something that has gone completely viral, and I just want to draw a line in the sand of what it means to be in the Unplugged Army and what it means to think like this person, because just point blank, if you think like this person, you've got no shot. Here is a woman that got a credit card statement in which the credit card company is proud of the fact that she pays her bills on time. So they upped her actual credit card um, uh, spending limit. So now that they've upped her maximum, she's upset that she has more credit. Guys, I literally cannot
6: make this up. Chase just increased my credit limit again from 23200 to 26700 which makes my total overall credit limit $43,000. And this is so f***ing predatory because they act like they like just did you a service. They're like, oh my God, like you have so much extra money now. They're like, this means you have more purchasing power when planning your next vacation or making home improvements. It is so completely unnecessary for anyone to have a $26,700 credit limit, let alone a $43,000 plus, like whatever. It just like goes to show I have been paying off my credit card for the last like six months now. I've gone from $36,000 to $18,000. I always forget. I don't know. I don't know. And credit card companies see that, and they're so predatory. They're like, wait, wait a second, come back. Wait a second, you were paying us so much interest, and now it's going down. Oh, my God. Like, they're missing out on last year, they made $5,000 for me on interest. This year, they're they're not going to make anything near that. I feel like everyone always asks, like, how did you get such high of a credit limit, blah, blah, blah. I was in debt. Like, they, like, literally love people who are in debt because they're making so much money from us. And that is why my credit limit is so high, because I was always maxing out my cards and making 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 my payments on time so i was paying my cards were max they were like what if we like gave her more if we gave her more limit then like surely i can i can see her habits like we can make a lot of money off of her and they did they did anyways chase chase literally literally get a grip
0: no one in the unplugged army thinks like that i hope this woman This is not hard to figure out. But for some reason, there's a group of people in society that don't understand this. So let me try to explain it. Businesses are in business to make a profit. And that doesn't mean they're predatory. Ma'am, you're an idiot. Please do not drive, vote, or reproduce. You're an idiot. Does she just think it's the bank's responsibility
4: to just...
0: To protect her from herself. Yeah,
4: I, I don't understand how... Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. just as befuddled... Uh, yeah, I don't get it.
0: I, and, and I don't this get is, that. And this is why I'm giving a shout-out to the Unplugged Army, that, listen, if you have a spending problem it, 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 and you think it's like borderline of, a, of an addiction problem. Man, being part of the Unplugged Army is accepting issues, mistakes, problems we have as an individual and getting help for it, whether it be from a professional or be somebody else from the Unplugged Army. Man, you're not, it, it, this, you're not getting judged here, even though you might say, what, what do you mean I'm not getting judged? You just called her an idiot. No, no, no. You're not getting judged if you say, hey, I got an issue. If she would have come out and said, you know what, I really don't like this because I've got an issue, I spend too much. And now they keep upping my credit card uh, credit limit and it's too tempting. What do I do? You know, if she's questioning, man, let's help her. Let's not be a jerk to her and let's explain. The key there is a debit card. Therefore, you're only spending what you have. So either get rid of the credit card altogether or use it only in an emergency except this is my emergency oh my gosh my car's about ready to run out of gas and i got nothing and there's no money in my account whatever but this is to act like that's a predatory move they didn't spend any of your money you every time you use a credit card are taking out a loan you're saying i can't pay you now but i'll pay you later your money is none of my business until you make it everybody's business with a post that's only being done by an ignorant fool that's whining about that and acting like Chase has done something negative. I, I've never said this in my life. Somebody stick up for Chase. They do think they're giving you a customer service. And, yes, they're not blind to the fact that if you're dumb enough to not understand how credit works, so be it. But that's not the bank's job to run your finances. Can we get back to personal responsibility? Please, please. Again, that doesn't mean let people burn and go down a sinkhole and let's stand on top of them and wave as they fall down. Hi, idiot. I'm so glad that you're broke and I'm not. No, that doesn't mean we don't help people. But the difference is you take personal accountability when you screw up, and then let's help people that are taking personal accountability. For some reason in our society, I don't know why, but we can't do both. Either everybody wants to be a jerk to the downtrodden and mock them, or they wanna blame everybody else for being downtrodden. I say the Unplugged Army does the exact opposite. We ask questions about stuff we don't understand, We don't mock people who are asking and seeking help. And we look forward to opportunities to help. And when we do know something, we do what we can to educate other people about it. Ma'am, you don't know anything. That is not the way the world should work. Sadly, it's starting to work like that. It really is. And the good people of the Unplugged Army need to stand up and say, no, personal accountability you do you, but that also means you pay for you. Don't get in the way of somebody else. If they want to go down this path, fine. But we're here for you if you need help. At the same time, man, don't blame Chase. It's not fair. Look what they've done. They're predators. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That was also part of Doug's big one today. <laughs> I just, I saw that. Like, I, I can't be quiet about this anymore. It's just so wrong of where we're going, and I would hope, as your commander-in-chief, you follow me in a different direction. And please, let the Unplugged Army help. Come out to Civilent coming up on February 23rd and say, hey, here, here's where I need help. I need a better job. There's going to be somebody that might be able to hire you. There you go. Thank you very much, Jeff. We are production. There you go. Friday, February 23rd. Golf starts at noon, but the event is basically whenever you want to get there for lunch, for golf, for or, uh, a happy hour, whatever fits into your schedule. Please join us on the 23rd. All right, let's get to uh, football and this, this wonderful debate. Again, back to the idiot term. I love to have the conversation about it. I saw a tweet from some guy, though, just ripping Todd Bowles. And listen, if you rip the decision to go for two without an understanding of why, I really think you're an idiot because you're arguing with math. That's totally different. And please follow me along with this because I'm not calling the world a bunch of idiots. That's totally different than if you disagree with it. And the reason why those are two separate things, I actually disagree with it. I don't like that. I, I, don't, I think you're making the wrong decision sometimes, okay? But I want you, before you get into the discussion of is it right, is it wrong, just don't go down the road that the guys, the Todd Bowles is not an idiot, okay? A- it's analytics right now that say do this. I'm okay with the conversation of why you shouldn't. Now, here's what my point is. If you didn't see the game or you don't understand where I'm going, Right, Tampa Bay's down by 14. They score a touchdown. And for 400 million years, you kick the extra point. Okay, kick the extra point. Now you're down by seven, get another touchdown, kick the extra point. You're tied. You try to win in overtime. Or some people like to use the rule you go for the tie at home, you go for the win on the road, which I did believe when I was young until I learned the game better. Now I think that's a dumb statement. The reason why is to me, analytics talk about how things were in the past but they don't have any bearing on where you are as a team where are your strengths versus the other teams weaknesses analytics are about every situation of the past use them as a guide but don't be beholden to it forever so analytics says if you want the breakdown if you if they went if they went for two and you were so angry about it and you didn't realize why would you do that The analytics say about 55% of the time, when you go for two, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. So therefore, they also say it's easier, you have a better chance of winning a game in regulation from the one-yard line or two-yard line, or or from the two-yard line or three-yard line, I say two or three based on college or pro, you have a better chance of winning a game from, your, from the other team's three-yard line than you do in the crapshoot of overtime. So this is designed to avoid overtime. Analytics guarantees you have a better chance of winning in the regular season from the two-yard regular season, in regulation from the two than you do in OT. So now you understand you go for two down by eight points because... Since you do want to avoid overtime, now you go for two, and if you get it, great. You score a touchdown, now you win the game, you've avoided overtime just by kicking. If you miss it, it's okay because you're going to go for two the next time. And if you go for two the next time, And you get it. Well, you're back to where you would have been anyway, and you were tied. So you're taking a chance to avoid overtime, increasing your opportunity to win. And if you don't get it, I'd still say you'll be fine on the next one. Okay? That's the analytics. Before you agree or disagree, at least understand the analytics. And I I heard, I saw on Twitter, just people, not people that disagree. I'm fine with anybody that disagrees. I disagree with it. I want to say that. It's the ones calling Todd Bowles an idiot to saying he doesn't know the game, blah, they're lost. Okay, that's number one. Now, here's where I disagree with what Todd Bowles did. And, and even look at the analytics and say, I understand the math behind it. But I've always used to joke, you don't go up to the plate with a calculator in your hand. If you don't get that first two point conversion, There is nothing like that moment defensively that my entire world revolves around stopping from you from getting two yards. And it's also ignoring the pressure that is on each player to do their job on offense to make sure that you get it. So when we talk about 55% of all two-point conversions are completed, but what about... How what is the completion percent or the, the conversion percentage of all of them that are done inside of a minute to go in the game that will determine who wins the game? Are you so sure that all of those are still 55%? Secondly, what if you're a team that has converted 30% of their two-point conversions on the season? If you're bad at two-point conversions then why do I – well, analytics say the average team does this. We're not good enough to be average. We should play for the overtime. And a coach knows that. The other thing I would say is if you just completed a long drive, if you just had a 90-yard drive, no timeouts, you've ex- the, the other team is exhausted defensively, I love the idea of going for two. That's not analytics talking. That's you knowing their defense is exhausted. We can take advantage of this right now. We have a better chance of beating their defense on this play than we do in a series of plays in overtime. And you might also go for two because the other quarterback's on fire. That Detroit offense lately, I don't want to put Jared Goff in the Hall of Fame, but the last six weeks of Detroit, they've been fantastic. Fantastic. So I don't mind somebody saying we're not going to beat that off. We're not going to stop that offense in in overtime. So you know what we got to do? Let's try to win it right now. I'm okay with some of those decisions. I just look at Tampa Bay and I say, guys, I would have kicked there, and it doesn't matter. They they didn't score again, but I would have kicked there. I think that's the right decision for that team. But I respect Todd Bowles. So I would just say, as you listen to people talk about the two-point conversion all day long today, if they understand the analytics and disagree with it, that's a smart dude. You know, that's a guy that understands it. If they're just ripping Todd Bowles as if he's an idiot, doesn't know the game of football— The truth be told is that guy doesn't understand the analytics. And since he doesn't understand it, he's mocking it. And I could see that from tweets all over the country. And it was like people just got introduced to this. This has been going on for six years now where analytics is dictated. Um, So I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, I'm kind of done with football. Uh, I mean, it was incredible games, but... It's almost like, did the Chiefs deserve to win with all the crazy turnovers? But the Bills certainly didn't deserve to win with the idiotic fake punt attempt. So I, it's like there's things to look at and yell and scream about, but I I don't want to act like one play was bigger than another because they were all a disaster so often. I do feel bad for Green Bay uh, and Jared Love, uh, or, or, or Love playing – reasonably well but not nearly as good as Brock Purdy and Sanford and McCaffrey's incredible that was a fun game Uh, and then Baltimore looks great but I want to cram in some coyotes real quick because I was really really impressed with some of the things that Andre Turini said and they picked up a huge win against Nashville on Saturday afternoon and uh, he wanted to talk about the travel
2: because we played well lately and you look at our record we had not much to show for so at some point okay we have a bunch of proud players who have high expectations so at some point you need to have something to show for to be honest it was a really tough game i, I think our guys really dig deep the the, the travel we're where i'm right home around 5 a.m and yesterday was a was it a, a day of recovery but still a tough day like when you you don't you skip a night basically so uh, today play at 1 p.m. I, I really feel our guys digging in and really wanted that game would have been uh, it was not energy wise easy and really proud of the way the the guys react and they dig deep and they didn't use any excuses we're not looking for excuses we're looking for, to do our our job and to, uh, to, to get back in that that race
0: Nashville's got the last spot in the playoffs and they would have had six-point lead on the Coyotes if Nashville would have won. Coyotes win, they enter into a three-way tie at 47 points, but the Coyotes are two games played behind, meaning Calgary and Seattle, who are in that three-team tie, they've played two more games than the Coyotes. So therefore, with that, the Coyotes have a great chance of winning a couple games and being able to jump right back. So therefore, it was obviously huge, Andre, that you beat the team ahead of you in the wild card standings
2: oh yeah absolutely there's a team ahead of us so that was a real definition of the four point game for us it was really important to stay in it you know we want to play meaningful game that was a real playoff game for us it's
0: uh now four games left before the break and uh, we need to finish strong then Coach was asked about Carconi. He's the one that scored the third goal of the game. But what excited me about his answer is if you watch the game, this is the fourth line really came to play. And whenever the Coyotes struggled a little bit, it's the fourth line that got everybody jacked up. So when you ask a question about Carconi, immediately Coach turns it into a conversation about that whole line.
2: That oh, was really good. That line was uh, our best line tonight. Like the, uh, Obi, Boehner, and Karch. The the, I think when, you know, those energy players, some night when everybody playing well and everything, people don't realize how important they are. They're the game like tonight when, when everybody has a little bit less energy and everybody has to dig deep. Those guys give you energy. They, they have physicality. They play the right way. They play with heart. I'm really
0: proud of the way they play. And the last one, we got to give a salute. Clayton Keller had the first two goals. He had a near hat trick in the game prior to that. He's had 10 points in his last seven games. What are you seeing from him, Coach?
2: You know, Kel's since... uh I don't know how many games, a certain number of games he, he really play his best hockey. And, uh, I had a discussion with him yesterday. He I really think he, he got his game at another level. I think, uh, having that said, when you use a player like that, I trade bad habits, and I, I don't plan to do that for, for a long time, you know. Uh, I think we all know tonight, was like I said, a, a playoff game. I don't know, he played 23-plus minutes, close to 24. That's not ideally because it's that game of hockey it's really tough energy-wise when you want to play the right away and do all the detail and all the tracking and all the puck pursuit and all the battles and all the going at the net and cutting at the net and all of that it demands a lot of energy it's not it's not easy so at some point doing it every single night like that it won't work and i whoever it is in the league it's always the same so Tonight is giving him a lot of credit for the last few games. I use him a lot. Uh, he dig deep. He played a really solid game, scored two goals, but more than that, he played He played good and played till the end. So I'm happy about
0: that. I want to give him a lot of ice time, but not that much. <laughs> the reason why I like that rundown is because, and if you haven't noticed, Clayton Keller is double shifting a lot in the last two or three games. And the breakdown, breakdown, breakdown there is I can play a guy that much if they're playing lazy, if they're like kind of coasting. We don't want anybody coasting. We expect so much out of every player that I'm not playing Keller and saying, hey, go easy out there. Therefore, I've got to start watching his minutes. But it's why – partially why they won. So uh, tonight, Nashville's home against Florida and the Coyotes are home uh, today against Pittsburgh. Coyotes win, Nashville loses. Coyotes are then tied for the final spot in the playoffs. Hopefully that's uh, exactly what happens. All right, coming up next let's bring in Steve McCollum talk a little football about his football weekend and he's a big Coyotes guy. Well, maybe not the group but he knows the game. So talk a little bit about some of the things that Andre Turini said there as well. And then I have to accept the end of the heater. And let's get back on track today at Versus Vegas. That's next on WTSMTV.com. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. It's
3: big, it's juicy, it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express
0: burrito express started with my father about
3: 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area. Literally, started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, "Let's do this." Went and found his first location, and believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're we are now
0: coming up eight to ten every weekday morning steve McCollum and the main event and steve joins us right now before izzy on sports ios is from 10 to noon and steve i, I like the wild card rounds and all it's all right but there's always riffraff you know like people maybe they shouldn't be in the playoffs or maybe yeah. there's too many teams i love the divisional round and really? I don't really know if I say Baltimore was a dog game because I was interested in seeing C.J. Stroud. But uh, we got three great games this weekend.
3: Yeah. It, well, going back to your first point on the wild cards, this is the problem with the 12 game playoff in college football. Everybody's so excited for 12 teams uh, and it's going to be trash, <laughs> you know, and I'm I've, I've just I've been warning everybody. Going to 12 games isn't the way to go. It's going to be garbage at the beginning, but no, everybody laughs at me on that. So yeah, prepare yeah. yourself for that 100%. Uh, but even even that Baltimore game wasn't terrible. I mean, I It, it yeah. became a blowout there, you know, or late third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter. But, I mean, you know, no offensive touchdowns either time. That Houston's played Baltimore is just uh, this year, yeah. week two, and then of course playoffs. It's an amazing stat.
0: Yeah, and I uh, I can't wait to see how C J Stroud moves on from here as that good of a player, but with that level of disappointment and kind of like now you know
3: I don't I don't think it's disappointing for him though because I mean it's disappointing because you you want to move that, on. That's what I mean. Yes, but. Yeah dude, he's a rookie and he's without tank. It's three offensive linemen are down. Uh, All of that stuff, dude, he, if he's got disappointment in his blood today, uh, I would consider that a a character issue. Yeah.
0: I would look at it. I I want him to, because then that's going to drive him forward. I don't think he needs that to be
3: driven. You're still
0: right that, uh, that he doesn't need to be disappointed, but you know how it is. If you've got a guy that's happy with a loss, maybe you don't have who you think you have. Yeah. But uh, as far as Lamar, it's, it's almost a little bit of the same thing. Lamar, all of his playoff disappointments when he was young, now he's finally he's, he's here. He still is young. Yeah, that's true. that's true. I'm not denying that. People forget that. Yeah, that's true. But now he's here, and yet Mahomes proves what he did being still Pat Mahomes. Yeah. And I'm jacked up for this game. I don't see a scenario where there's a blowout in the AFC championship game.
3: So here's the question I've okay. got on the cheese, right? They beat the Bills. Congratulations. They beat the Bills in the playoffs all the time. The Bills choked. <laughs> the Bills uh, made mistakes in that fourth quarter that cost them that game. Uh, and uh, the Bills panicked, in my opinion. I, I think there's a serious getting over the hill thing with their head coach there uh, that they're not able to get over that hump, specifically the Chiefs. Baltimore will not have that problem with the Chiefs. Baltimore is the best team in football right now. I mm. firmly believe that 100%. Wow, uh, Well, I felt that for you know since uh, week 14 or so, okay. week 13. Uh, Baltimore is the most dominating team. They just handle their business. They do it quietly. They do it with no effort. Uh, looks like no effort. And, uh, but I don't know, man. You, you cannot, unfortunately, you cannot put Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chief team backwards at all. It's, it's, they do things that just amaze you. What do
0: you like about Baltimore over San Francisco? Uh, as oh, far cons- as being the best. Consistency. Oh, okay, yeah. okay.
3: Yeah. Well, here's the other side. I mean, Baltimore, yeah, yes, they lost to the Steelers horribly earlier in the year, but Baltimore is the most consistent team. Uh, you want to know what the major difference is? Quarterback. Baltimore has the same threats on offense. I mean, they're not C- CMC. It's not, yeah. You know, uh, but they have the same, they have great receivers. They have a great running game. If you take Lamar out of that running game, they have a great running game as well. Uh, very evenly matched teams. I think the Baltimore defense is better. It's more healthy. But the difference to me is, I would take if if everything is equal and it comes down to quarterbacks, I'm taking Lamar over Brock Purdy every day of the week.
0: I'm wondering uh, about Debo Samuel. About yeah, that's the other issue injuries. Change. Yeah, yeah, and you and you uh, and you. You said that then uh, Todd Bowles came out and says he wants uh, Baker Mayfield for next year.
3: Yeah. Well, he said that like a month ago. Then you heard nothing. uh, And then all the stories came up before. And uh, rightfully so. Baker Mayfield uh, is not a bad quarterback. He's got to get his head on straight when he goes sideways with, uh, you know, commercials and all that stuff. Uh, He's not a bad quarterback at all. I mean, who else is Tampa Bay going to get? Who are you going to go get?
0: Yeah, I always look at a guy like Baker as. I'm always going to try to replace him, yes. but I'm not going to just shelve him and act like he's dog either. Yeah. You know question, what I mean? The
3: question is, how much do you pay him? That, yeah. Because I bet you it's going to be in the $30 million range.
0: That's what's crazy is how much average to below average quarterbacks yeah. get. When you full well know he's not Mahomes, he's yeah. not Josh Allen, he's not Lamar well, that's, that's
3: what's going to keep him from the $50, 55000000 million. Uh, but, man, paying a – Paying a guy at his level $30 million yeah. just, man, just makes your heart hurt.
0: I, um, I'm never going to be a Lions fan, but I am happy for Jared. Yeah, well, I'm happy for Jared. Goff. I heard your
3: comments there. Jared Goff has played well since last year. Quietly, he came into this yeah, year had yeah. the uh, you know interception streak going there for a while. Jared Goff is not a bad quarterback. He gets no press, and his bad thing is that hard knocks where he where he was stupid asking, "Oh, the sun rises in the west," <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and the blimp <laughs> and stuff like that. That's that funny. stuck with him, that's and then funny. you know, and then of course, you know, the Rams, uh, you know, unloading him uh, out of their queue yeah, just yeah. didn't help that. Jared Goff, folks, uh, sneakily, I'd, I'd put him above like Kirk Cousins and those guys. To be honest don't with you, don't go anywhere. I got the one more
0: question. <laughs> last question is simple. What's coming up on the main event well, today?
3: We got. Oh, uh, hey, oh we got there you go. Double.
0: Play it twice, Vegas. Uh oh. Now I might put you the closer. Okay. It's so nice we play it twice. <laughs> what is uh, what's well, coming up on the main? First event? First
3: of all, that tells me that uh, your pick for God awful. Uh, if, if he played that twice uh, to rub it in. Second of all, look, uh, we got some PGA stuff. Uh, something that hasn't been done since Phil yeah. Mickelson did yeah. it in '91. Uh, there, I got some video of Dale Hellistray playing golf on Friday, folks. You want to watch oh, this? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I already told them what they were NFL talk of course called basketball Uh, Texas head coach oh god you're awful and it got worse for him over the weekend I'm going to
0: make fun of him some more so that's all coming up guys alright good have a good show Yep. And uh, I'll I'll definitely be checking out the Dale Hellestrian golf uh, outing Uh, no Jeff Weir production just happened to accidentally hit a button he did not set up a bad day of versus Vegas for me but Steve is right, I did have a bad perspective. So the Heater got to the incredible point of 18 2 and 1. Since then, I am 2 for 6. Or 2 and 6, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not happy. Not happy. Uh, we went with uh, six games yesterday. Uh, Florida Panthers. You're supposed to win i had them covering the puck line against minnesota the wild were on the back end of the back-to-back the panthers didn't cover because they didn't win minnesota won six to four i took the islanders to cover the puck line against chicago because the blackhawks were on the back end of the back-to-back and the islanders ended up well they didn't cover because they didn't win chicago won four to three I had San Francisco covering the nine and a half against Green Bay. San Francisco won, didn't cover. They only won by three. I wasn't even close to that. The two uh, other football, the three other football bets, I went two and one on. I took Baltimore minus the nine, got that one easy. I took Detroit minus the six and a half, did not get that easy, but I got it. Detroit won 31-23. And I told you I have no idea who's going to win Buffs Chiefs. I thought that uh, I thought that would be a really close game, but I didn't. I thought the weather would really hamper the uh, game plans. And I thought the Bills were going to run the ball a lot. So I thought that would eat clock. So I really like the under 45 and a half, not real close. It was a 51 point total. So I went two and four on the day. Now, I don't know how I did units-wise over the weekend. However, this is kind of exciting. For the month of January going into Friday, I am up 16 and a half units. That is huge! I have had a dominant January so far. Took a little bit of a bite yesterday, or over the weekend, so hopefully I bounce back with some of these picks today. Boston won. The Celtics won last night in Houston. However, Houston, they run you up and down the floor pretty good. Now they're on the back end of a back-to-back against Dallas, and the Celtics are favored anyway. I'm going to take Dallas plus the three. I actually kind of believe Boston will win, but I think Dallas will keep it close. I'm going to take the Vegas Golden Knights on the money line. They are in New Jersey tonight. It's the first of three games in four nights for Vegas. But what's interesting about it, or no, it's in the middle of that, but what's interesting about this, they play New Jersey, and then I don't remember whether they play Rangers-Islanders or Islanders-Rangers, but after they play the Rangers or the Islanders, whatever their next game, they got a 3 date gap before they play their next team, Rangers or Islanders. Again, I don't remember which way is what. The reason why I bring that up is... They're, not, they're, they're already in Vegas, so they're not going to be enamored by New York City, and they know they're going to have time later in the week to enjoy themselves out of New York when they're going to be staying there for a week. So, therefore, I think there's going to be great focus on the part of Vegas tonight. They're a better team than uh, New Jersey, but New Jersey's not bad. So I like Vegas on the money line tonight. and that, There's actually positive juice on that. And then I got two college basketball games. I think Wake Forest is a little overrated. Now, you might say, wait a minute, they're not really rated-rated. Well, they've got a good record, but I'm not overwhelmingly impressed with them. I like UNC covering the 7.5 at home. And I really like KU coming off of a – they always lose at West Virginia. I don't know what it is. You look – now, technically not always, but if you look at Bill Self's record – in Morgantown since WVU joined the Big 12. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to bet it's below 500. It's crazy how often they lose there. I think they're going to have a vicious amount of practices building up to tonight's game. I think they come in focused. I think UC's not bad, but they're not good enough to handle an angry KU team in Lawrence, Kansas. I like KU uh, minus the nine very confident if you want to take KU on the money line. Problem is the juice is a little out of whack so I'm not taking it. I am a little nervous of a backdoor cover. I'm a little nervous of Cincinnati's bench coming in two minutes left hitting a couple threes and all of a sudden KU wins by seven or something. But I I think the gap will be big enough when the benches come in. There's no backdoor cover although I'm worried about it. So I got KU minus the nine. So therefore, I've got Vegas as the one road team. And I've got them winning as a road dog. And then the other teams, all home teams, home dog in the Dallas Mavericks. And then two home favorites in uh, the Tar Heels and the Jayhawks. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. February 23rd. February 23rd. Please figure it out. A way to get out there and join us for lunch at Civic, happy hour at Civic, or golf at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass for our next sanctioned event. And it's going to be associated with Valentine's Day. So it's going to be a great idea to buy a package that'll include the spa. And then you'll be able to treat your wife while you get to play golf. Treat your spouse, or treat you both. Maybe you both play golf and then you both go to the spa. That's awesome. So do something like that coming up in February. I'd love to have you as a part of it. Please wish me my best or if you believe in prayer, I will take your prayers for tomorrow. My huge appointment. I can't wait to tell you about it and tell you how it went but the Unplugged Army is about ready, I think, to grow exponentially and man, do I need you to be a part of it. I'm just, I can feel it. I'm so jacked up. 6022 Repair is the phone number for Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical and if you're hungry burrito express with the best breakfast burrito you've ever had rosati sports bar in chandler at ray and mcqueen and of course the best sandwich in the entire state of arizona the actual bell's chicken sandwich the Nashville hot chicken i think you're gonna absolutely love it the main event is coming up next i'll see you tomorrow dominate your monday